Are you ready to elevate your doula business to the next level? I want to introduce you to the ultimate guide to crafting your kick-ass doula packages. Whether you're a seasoned doula looking to refresh your offerings or just starting out in the field, this free guide is your roadmap to success. In this guide, you'll find strategies to tailor your services for your clients, ways to make the prices sustainable for you and something that you feel really great about, and different creative ways to make your doula packages unique to you and not just the same as everybody else's in the industry. This is a free guide and you can download it right now. Head over to hurrahdoulaservices.com slash doula packages to get your copy today. Welcome to Doula Tips and Tits. This podcast is a place where we answer one question about doula work, both to support you and to help you support your clients. I'm Kaylee Harad. I've been supporting families in this perinatal space since my oldest was born 12, nearly 13 years ago. I am a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth educator, La Leche League leader, and a doula coach. I love guiding and supporting doulas as they work out their doula business. It is a tremendous joy to be trusted in this way. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Hello and welcome back to Doula Tips and Tits. I am so excited to continue on this series of talking with other professionals that work with pregnant and postpartum families. I think it's incredibly important to know when and how and who to refer to as a doula because we only have a certain amount of scope. And so this whole month, we're talking to all different kinds of professionals about what you need to know about sending your clients their way and also what you need to know about what they are experts in. So today we have a dear friend of mine, my colleague and business bestie, as I like to tell people, um, Kim Holly, who is a sleep coach and a peaceful parenting coach and just oh, an IBCLC, just all around amazing human being. Um, so Kim, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into our question? Yeah, and I'm so excited to be here. I always, of course, love doing things with my business bestie. Um, so I am a holistic sleep coach um, and in IBCLC. And most of the work that I do is around supporting families with sleep through a holistic and um, responsive lens. Um, but I have additional training as a peaceful parenting educator and through um, the Newfield Institute in Development and Attachment. Yeah, I love that. Part of um, Kim and I's um, business bestie relationship is that we are both La Leche League leaders. So that's how we originally met. But now we also work together um, on a parenting membership that is for responsive parents. And we really love that collaboration as well. Um, so Kim is here primarily today to talk about sleep because this is a topic that is woefully lacking in postpartum doula trainings. And so with these short episodes, we can't dig into every single detail anyone should ever know about sleep, but we are gonna answer the question together what does a doula need to know on a basic level about newborn sleep? So Kim, where, do, where should we start? Yeah, I mean, I think before even getting into the sleep like details, like what is developmentally normal, I think any professional who is 
not a sleep expert or even who is a sleep expert needs to examine what they bring to sleep, right? Like what is their story of sleep and how babies should sleep? What biases do they have? Um, because Western countries have a very distinct and unique view on sleep that is not very lined up with biology. Um, and from my experience talking with a lot of doulas, doula certifications don't do a lot of sleep education. Um, and so I don't think a lot of doulas necessarily um, have been exposed to how to think through what's biologically normal, what is my own personal view, what is cultural uh, view on sleep, and, and where are these ideas coming from? And this is so important because really in all of doula work, we have to be able to, to sort of um, identify our own biases and get curious about those, right? Like, mm -hmm. because so much of parenting, birth, pregnancy, postpartum, like all of these topics that we're talking about, there is nuance in them, right? There's nuance mm -hmm. in experience, like people's experience and how it plays out that we don't control. And there's also nuance in what people want to do. And both of those really matter. Exactly. And I feel like the role of a doula or the role of any professional supporting a new parent should be to help them make informed decisions that are right for their family. So it's not about like what sleep strategies you feel comfortable sharing with your clients or what sleep strategies they might choose. It's really about helping them be empowered to make decisions based on biological and developmental facts rather than like we call them the sleep should sleep shoulds or the the sleep rules right all the things that we say that babies should or shouldn't be doing that have nothing to do with biology or even promoting healthy sleep and there's so much fear-based messaging when it comes to sleep including like perpetuated by professionals um, that these parents are coming in contact with and so as a doula um, you're in a really lovely position not to guide them, but to really say, hey, this is developmentally normal. Um, and, you know, you can choose to do this or you can choose to do that, but do it out of what feels right, not out of fear or guilt or shame. Um, and to really be able to show up and do that, you have to look at, you know, if you had kids, what did you do? Where did you get those ideas from? Um, and separate that from what you'd bring in to working with a family, just like you would with, you know, birth or lactation or anything else. Um, but with sleep, it's hard because I don't, I, I feel like a lot of people aren't very clear on where those lines are. What is belief? What's personal decision? What's biology? Totally. And, and I think one of the things that um, undermines the like normal, normal developmental sleep that newborns have is how we talk about good and bad sleep with babies, right? Like mm -hmm. so often I hear people like, oh, I have a good sleeper. I have a bad sleeper. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> you know? So I think that we continue to sort of perpetuate that idea that like sometimes we're doing it right and sometimes we're doing it wrong rather yeah. than normalize the range, but also normalize the fact that like newborns should be waking up and things like that. So I would love to kind of dive into what are those norms? Like on a basic level, without you giving us all of your expertise, of course, um, what should we know just about like what is normal in those early weeks? Yeah, and I, I'd say on a very basic level, um, recognizing that a newborn is designed to wake up, right? And that is 
healthy and it's protective from SIDS. So like it's part of safe sleep. We don't actually want to try to get babies to sleep as long and deep as we possibly can. That's not really safe. Um, but it's also critical from a milk supply perspective. If you have a nursing family, um, we need that, that stimulation, right? We need that milk removal and baby needs those feeds. So um, babies are designed to wake and they are hardwired to stay close. Um, I know that every family isn't going to be able to like fully lean into all the contact sleep and all the contact all the time. But just knowing that a baby's natural habitat, especially as a newborn, is on their parent's chest, is in their arms, and is close to them, and that that regulates their physiology, the baby's physiology, and it helps with bonding and, um, you know, helps, again, bring in a nice milk supply if you're nursing. Um, and it's not something that we create, right? Because throughout most of human history, a baby that you set down was a vulnerable baby to a predator. Um, to not having their temperature regulated appropriately. And so modern times, yes, we know our baby in the bassinet isn't going to get eaten by a tiger, uh, but biology doesn't change that fast. And so that need to be close is really hardwired in parent and baby. I love that example. Um, and I've known you long enough that I hear you, of course, use that frequently, <laughs> right? Like yes. a baby who sat down was in danger. And it always makes me laugh a little bit because I have this picture of like, um, like the ice age, you know, <laughs> just like a, a tiger is coming to grab your baby, which it was the case. <laughs> that is yeah. exactly what we're talking about. But so think, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think another thing is like, they don't know their days from nights right? That oh, is totally. something that evolves yeah. over the early months um, as their circadian rhythm uh, evolves. And that's another big piece. So we want to make big differences between the days and the nights to help babies sort them out. Um, and that it's okay to respond, right? That, that that is our role to help them feel safe and secure and that their needs are going to be met. And that's uh, all the caregivers around that, that infant, that newborns, um, that's their job, right? To do that in a in a way that we can do sustainably, but you know, in a way that um, gets their needs met. Yeah. Well, and I think um, one thing. So, so one thing that I want us to make sure we kind of finish with is talking about this idea that we can somehow mess it up, right? Because you mentioned mm -hmm. a minute ago, like this is not created, right? It's hardwired need to be close and to want to be held and and to be by with your people and by your people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the things along with the good baby, bad baby kind of idea of sleep is the parent's choice and that setting up bad habits. Now, mm -hmm. I jump on this all the time because I'm like, your baby is a week old. They're not manipulating you, right? You are not creating a scenario where they're for the rest of their life, they're not going to sleep. However, I would love to hear your <laughs> breakdown of like, are parents creating situations in those earliest weeks that are going to make for children that are older that don't know how to sleep on their own, for instance? Absolutely not, right? There are no bad habits with sleep. And what we do in the early weeks is about creating safety and security, right? Do we want sleep to be a safe and secure place to be? That involves responding and, and helping them feel safe. Um, there is nothing that you can't change. 
And it's actually easier to ask for more independence as a baby gets older, um, mm-hmm. you know, an older baby or, or a toddler. And sure, there are times developmentally where separation anxiety is really high and it's difficult for a parent to make changes and ask baby, but that's true, you know, regardless. Um, there's not a window of opportunity for change. And I know that's a really big message out there that it's like, if you don't get it by six months or nine months or a year or whatever arbitrary point that suddenly you're not going to be able to get it. Mm-hmm. And that's just, it's made up. Like there's, there's no mm-hmm. validity to that. It's easier to make changes with older babies and toddlers because they are closer to the change that we're asking them to do. And generally that change isn't something they would prefer to do. <laughs> so it's not something happening organically or we wouldn't need strategies around it. Um, mm-hmm. So all the things people say are bad habits, feeding to sleep, nursing to sleep, um, rocking to sleep, holding, contact naps, bed sharing, all of those things are healthy, biologically normative behaviors um, that really can support sleep and can always be changed if they're not working Mm -hmm. for a parent and baby for whatever reason, whether that's like the parents, like I'm just done, or maybe they're not settling baby in the same way. And it's, it's just, you know, functionally not working. Um, we can always, always change those things in, in gentle and respectful ways. Yeah. I love that. I think it's so easy to, to feel like as a parent, you could ruin everything, but oftentimes I'm like, as an adult at 37, I'm still teaching myself new things on a pretty regular basis. Right. And so I don't think I have the power to completely ruin sleep for my children at this point, because even as older kiddos, older um, teenagers and adults, they can build healthier habits. And so that's not what we're talking about. I mean, that's not what we're aiming for, right? But also the devastation that we sort of bring into that like pressure of getting it right in the early weeks is not, should not be there and is not true, so. Yeah, and there's so much fear-based messaging in the sleep world, like so much, and it's, there are reasons it's there, right? <laughs> like, um, but especially in those newborn, you know, weeks, months, you know, even if it's something you're like, maybe I wouldn't do this forever. Like it is the time to do what works and what's easiest and experiment, see what your baby likes. And, you know, as a doula, as a professional supporting parents to help them be like, oh, well, we can sometimes feed to sleep and sometimes put them in the the wrap and and wear them for a nap, right? And like show that there are a lot of tools um, that you can experiment with. And it's lovely when you are helping parents build a toolbox of different ways that their baby settles really well um, and can fall asleep feeling supported. um, So they don't feel like they, they don't have options. Yeah, yeah, totally. So one of the one of the purposes for this series in July is for doulas to understand what even is out there in terms of options for their clients, right, to be able to refer to folks. So as we were wrapping this up, I would really love for you to share some of the options that you have. I know you have a beautiful coaching program. You also have a it like, you know, individual um, sleep coaching. And so you want to share with the audience, what are some options that parents have when they're working with you? Yeah, definitely. So I have a blog, first of all, yeah. um, that has lots of free um, blog posts on a range of topics. And um, for you doulas, I have a really, really well cited developmentally normal sleep 
um, by age blog post that can be really great for you to refer to or for your clients. Um, I have a group coaching program that supports families from when their baby's about five months up through when their baby is about 24 months, um, which is, I mean, I kind of started thinking about it, Kaylee, almost as like dueling them through those like older yes, baby totally. and, and younger toddler months with sleep through yes. a developmental um, and attachment focused lens. And so yeah. it's really a highly supportive space. I love it. Um, and then I do have one-to-one packages when, when that's what folks really need is that like all my attention is on them, um, mm-hmm. around their schedule and around their needs and around their pacing of, um, of things. Mm-hmm. And I will have my own podcast coming out later. Yes. This summer. So I'm so excited for that. It's been, it's been a while in the making. Yes. I'm also very excited for that. I will make sure that that developmentally normal sleep blog is um, linked in the show notes. So if you want to go and look at that, I do recommend you add that to your resource list as a doula, because that is something that you can really easily send to clients and be like, here's a quick guide, right? And that just even the information that's so easily broken down is super helpful in the postpartum time when our brains are just not able to absorb quite as much as normal and so um, being able to refer back to that guide is really really helpful for parents and i send it to clients all the time um i will also link kim's instagram account below so that if you'd like to start following her and hear about when her podcast comes out and connect with her that way. All of her information will be in the show notes. Kim, I so appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast. Um, I know that the listeners will learn so many amazing things from this episode, and I just really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Doula Tips and Tits podcast. If you learned something today or had an aha moment, we'd love for you to share that on Instagram and tag us at Haradula so we can celebrate alongside you. If you found this podcast helpful, we would so appreciate you taking a second to leave a rating and a review on your favorite podcast app. That helps other doulas find us as we do this work together. This podcast is intended as educational and entertainment. It is not medical advice or business advice. Please consult your own medical or legal team for your own needs around you.